Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. We're going to start in chapter 5 and verse 6. We're talking about how to make room for God. Specifically, I want to continue going, you need to learn how to travel very light. Worry has to be something that you don't even understand what that is anymore. Because you've learned how to do this. You've learned how to cast your care upon the Lord. We talked about it a little last week. If you weren't here with us, I want to encourage you to get our app, get online, or you can get the CD here. But listen to those messages. They're so, so very important. We went over this last week. It's a foundational scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. How do I do that? Verse 7, casting all your care on or upon him, for he cares for you. So we humble ourselves. How do we do that? By casting the whole of our care on him. So breaking these Greek words down, humble yourself. We said this last week, God won't ever humble you. There's not one example in the Bible where God humbled somebody or one of his people or one of his children. We are to humble ourselves, right? Always. It says, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. This word exalt in the Greek means that he may lift you above your circumstance. God wants to lift you above, right? The Bible says as you walk through the waters, they won't overtake you. Why? Because he is able to lift you above the circumstance, but you got to humble yourself. Because if you think, well, I'm going to do this on my own, then he can't violate your will. He can't come in and move. So you have to humble yourself so that he could exalt you in due time. How do I do that? By casting all of my care upon him because he cares for me. Casting. Last week we said this is a Greek term. It's used one way in the Bible. And it always denotes somebody who is literally being crushed under a load that's too heavy for them to bear. So what he will do is he will call for somebody to bring him a beast of burden, a donkey, a mule, a camel of that day. And so they would take this care, this, this load that's too much for somebody to carry and roll it over on this beast of burden. And then they would walk into wherever they were going. They could still see the load, but it was no longer crushing them. God is saying, I want to be your beast of burden. I want you to cast all of your care, not some of it, all of it. Do you have any care tonight here? Is there anything in your life that you're worried about in any way? God wants you to take it and roll it over on him. He didn't design you to carry it. He didn't even make your body to be able to handle stress and worry and anxiety. You're not wired for fear, so we let him handle all this stuff, right? Cast the whole of your care upon him because he cares for you. Now this also, cast the whole of your care, we brought this part of this Greek word out. This Greek word, it denotes a lot of times that it's dealing with something that hasn't happened yet. Have you ever been concerned and carried stuff that hasn't happened yet? You get a diagnosis, and then you get on the internet, and you see the road that this diagnosis will take you down. And pretty soon, Satan starts going, "What? well, what if this happens? What if you can no longer work? What about this? What about that? A lot of these cares of life are things that have not even happened yet. It's real interesting. Because we know Satan, is the, he, he plays mind games. He always lies. He's a deceiver. So we got to be careful. Anything you start worrying about, you need to go right away. Wait a minute. I am not worrying about this. Jesus, I know you care about me, so I'm giving this to you. See, here's the thing about cares. If you're trying to work it out, he can't because he can't violate your will. So give it all to him. Cast all your care 
upon him for he cares for you. This is a different word, care. This is the, the first word, care, cast all of your cares upon him. That's the Greek word, merimna. This one is the Greek word, mellow. It literally means for he cares for you. He care, he's concerned about you. Do you know that God is concerned about you? Very concerned about you. He wants you to become everything that he's put. He wants you to walk out everything that he's put in you. He wants you to walk out every one of the desires of your heart. He has no plans for you that are apart from victory and success in life. There's no plans that he has for you other than that. Now we see the amplified version of this, of this uh, verse where it talks, verse 7. In the amplified it says, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. See, he not only, he not only is concerned but he's watching you. He's wooing you by his spirit. Give me that. A lot of times guilt causes us to carry stuff that we shouldn't carry. Well, I'm the one who created this. I'm the one who's got to fix it. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. You, he, he wants to fix it. He doesn't care if you messed it up. Right? In the book of James, he says God is, he, he, he's a God who won't even get down on you for the mess you've created. I've been very thankful for that in my life. So verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5 goes on to say, be sober. That means think clear. Now this is, the Greek, this is a Greek definition of this word. Think clear, not like someone who's drunk. Have you ever seen anybody that's been drunk, right? They don't think right, do they? He's saying, be sober. Being drunk affects what? It affects the way that you see. It affects the way that you hear. Have you ever been driving down the road and it's 45 miles an hour and all of a sudden you come up on somebody who's going 20? You're going, they're probably not, because they probably think they're going 80, right? Because they're not seeing right. They're not hearing right. They're not feeling right. They're not thinking right. This is that when you're drunk, it affects the way you think. It affects the way you feel. It affects the way you see. It affects the way you hear. If you listen to the enemy, if you carry cares, as you carry cares, when you're being crushed under a care, you're not going to feel right. You're not going to be able to see things right. You'll start to think that you're the defeated one when all the time you've already been given the victory. You're not going to see right. You're not going to hear right. You're not going to think right. You're not going to feel right. It's interesting how in 1 Peter it likens, it gives a picture of somebody being drunk in the same way that's what carrying cares are like. Everything is warped. You're not seeing it right. It, then he says, be vigilant. It's the Greek word Gregorius. It literally means be alert. Be ever on your guard. Ever on your guard. This word is only used when somebody is coming to do you harm. So Satan, as we find later on in this passage, he's the one who's coming. He wants to do you harm. Now here's the thing. He has no power, but he'll deceive you to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. So the word of God is saying, be sober. Listen, get rid of the cares so you can hear right, think right, feel right, all, all these things, right? Talk right, and then be sober. Think clearly. Be vigilant. Be ever on your guard because somebody's out there who wants to harm you. Right? Being sober and being vigilant, that is a function of your will. You make a decision to do that. Isn't that good news? 
So I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to do that. Now, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to do that. Why, why are we sober? Why are we vigilant? Because your adversary, this is the Greek word antidekis, your adversary. This Greek word is a noun. It, it would be the equivalent of a noun in the Greek. This, this means, this Greek word antidekis means one who is violently opposed to righteousness. Well, guess who's righteous? You are, if you know Jesus. Jesus was made to be sin so that you would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 So Satan hates you. He's violently opposed to you because you're adversary. You know, this word is a noun. It's also a proper name. This is his name. He's our adversary. He is one who is against righteousness. He's against acts of righteousness. He violently opposes righteousness. This is his name. And then it says your adversary, the devil. Well, wait a minute. His name is the devil. Well, no, this Greek word is not an, a proper noun. This Greek word is an adjective. It's always used in connection with the noun. It's used with the noun adversary. This adjective, the devil, is used with the noun. Now I'm using English to try to parallel to Greek, but it's very close. It's used together to define how our adversary operates. Have you ever heard me say that? It's the Greek word diabolos. Dia. One who wants to penetrate through to the other side of something. We know in studying the New Testament, Satan wants to penetrate through to your mind, right? How does he do that? By abelos, by throwing something over and over and over and over at you. Literally, diabolos means someone who throws something over and over and over and over for the purpose of penetrating something. Satan comes one way, to all of us, he throws thought after thought after thought after thought, and just he'll, he'll start machine gunning thoughts for the purpose of penetrating your mind so that he can, the Greek word for this is noemata, so that he can do mind games with you. He can cloud everything, confuse everything, so that you literally are not perceiving anything right. You think there's no hope when you have all hope. You think when there's no way, when you have the way. So this is very important. The devil, our adversary, the devil. Be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. Now, when I was teaching in a Bible school, we had, we had several students from Zambia, but there was this one family, a husband and wife from Zambia, and the wife came up to me afterwards. I was talking about this scripture. I can't even remember what class I was teaching. Um, but, but she comes up to me and she goes, oh, Pastor Tony, we have, a, we, we, we have lions that roar by our village. And when the lions will roar, it will shake it would shake things. It would shake their plates, shake their glasses. I mean, it was crazy. They would say uh, at certain flight patterns going into Tulsa, when you fly into Tulsa, that you kind of go by the zoo or fly over the zoo when you're coming from a certain place. I don't know where. But they say you could sometimes, if the lions are roaring, you could hear them. You're in a plane. You're low enough, though, you could hear them. He's got a big mouth. And he knows just what to say. So be sober, be vigilant. Notice that comes after humbling yourself. It comes after you rolling the cares. Why do we do all that? So I, I roll the cares off on the Lord so that I could be sober, I could think right, I could see right, I could feel right, I could hear right, so that I could be vigilant, so that I'm ever on my guard. Does that make sense? Why? Because I've got an adversary, the devil. He, as a roaring lion, he's walking about. He walks about, seeking whom he may devour. That's what a lion does. 
They just go out and they're walking about. They're looking for who they can devour. When they see a bunch of, uh, you know, like in Africa, like antelope or something, when they see a group of them running, the lion doesn't go after the strongest one. He looks for the one that's the weakest. He looks for the one that's kind of away from the pack. Right? That's what Satan does. As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Why? Because he can't devour just anybody. Listen, Satan, this Greek word antideikos, he hates righteousness so much that if he could, he'd kill you right now. But he can't. I remember Keith Moore teaching one time. Well, I believe, I, I can't remember what class it was, but he was talking about it. And he was talking about in his life how that he just, the enemy was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And the Holy Spirit rose up in his heart and said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't done that yet? How, how, many, how many of you guys are alive tonight? It's because he can't take you out. And now we're learning more. You almost feel like getting up in the morning and going, okay, Satan, you better take your best shot because I'm going to be stronger by noon. Stronger in him. Right? This is huge. This verse describes in great detail the effect that a believer who is trying to carry their cares, how it, how it affects them. It gives you a picture. You won't be clear. You won't be on your guard. It's given you a picture. If you don't do this, this is a picture of what a believer looks like who's carrying their stuff. You can't be ever on your guard, and you won't see things right. But it also gives a great picture of a believer who is doing it right, who's walking carefree. You need to learn this phrase. Kenneth Copeland says this. I think it's so cool. Satan, you don't know how much I don't care. Right? I mean, I remember, oh gosh, it was a story. I think it, it was Pastor Hagen told this story. And Rama needed so much money by like 24 hours, some deadline that was like right there. And he calls, Pastor Hagen calls his dad up. And he's like, Dad, man, we need, you know, can you, can you just agree in prayer with me? We need so many tens of thousands of dollars by tomorrow at 9 o'clock. And, and his dad goes, Ken, hear me. I don't care. Promise, you know, pray yourself. Click. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I mean, think about it, though. If God can't keep this thing afloat, do we even want it? No, no. You know, if I ever get up here and start begging you for money, you need to go find another church. I mean, pray for me first, because, I mean, if you think that maybe I could turn around quick, but, but I could tell you, you're never gonna, you're, I'm never going to be up here begging for money. I'm never going to be up here telling you, oh, my gosh. Now, see, why, while I'm saying this, do you know the enemy's throwing a thought in my mind going, don't you say that, because, man, what? No. He can't. See, I'm not going to live my life like this whole thing is not real. I really am victorious in him, and so are you. I really am a world overcomer because I'm born of God, and so are you. I really am seated in heavenly places in Christ far above anything the enemy could ever throw at me, and so are you. So I'm not going to carry any care. The fight of faith is for me to keep my thought life right so that I stay at rest. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Everybody said amen, right? When a believer is under the influence of cares, he becomes like a drunken individual. 
We get down on people that, have, that, get, that, that get under the influence of alcohol. Man, I'm telling you, that is not near as bad as being under the influence of cares. Well, you know, I'm just a worrier. Well, then, okay, let me tell you about Jesus because you need to get saved. Well, no, 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 I'm a Christian. Okay, well, man, you know, I just, I just hope someday you'll get obedient. What? Well, no, I mean, my grandmother, she was a worrier. My mom was a worrier. I'm a worrier. No, 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 no. Let's get worry out of our vocabulary. Why? Because God loves you. He's in your life. When a believer gets under the influence of cares, he becomes like a drunken individual. He cannot see, he cannot feel, he cannot think or hear right because he's under the influence of a crushing care. This affects and tears his emotions so that he doesn't see anything right. That's what Satan wants to do. And I'm telling you, we just turn the light on. We just expose the lie. How easy is it? Here, Jesus. Right? If you're financial, you hold up the bill. Uh, Jesus, you have mail. Right? Because it's his. Are you his? Then it's his. Jesus, I know I, 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 I've messed up. I've made wrong decisions. I've lived out of my flesh. But I'm so grateful that I read in, in Romans chapter 8 that there's no condemnation to me because I'm in Christ. And the book of Romans tells me if I have the Holy Spirit in me, I'm in Christ. So I'm in Christ. So there's no condemnation because all of my sins been condemned in the body of Jesus. Now, Father, according to 1 John 1, 9, I just confessed this sin before you. I didn't have to do it. I chose to do it. I chose to allow the sin nature of my flesh to operate where I shouldn't have. And right now, Father... I say what you say, and I believe I receive forgiveness for my sins, cleansing from all my unrighteousness, and now I'm moving on. And oh, by the way, I've created this mess. Tell me what to do. I'm just going to rest, and I'm going to trust that you fix all of it. Could it be that easy and that simple? It is. It is. Why does the enemy throw thought after thought to penetrate your mind. He does this because although you're a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body, he knows that your soul is the control center. Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. This is why when I got saved, my spirit man became brand new. He took the old spirit man that I was, took that out, it's gone forever, put a brand new spirit in me, and then he told me, he said, Tony, you need to renew your mind with the only thing that will renew your mind, the Word of God. You renew your mind with the Word of God so that your life will be transformed, so that you'll be able to know my will for your life, so that the Holy Spirit can pull out on the outside of you who you really are on the inside. And you're going to have to present your body a living and holy sacrifice because you don't have the fullness of salvation yet. You don't get that glorified body that's free of a sin nature until you get to heaven. So you're going to have to keep that body under because it's going to want to do stupid things. Does that make sense? Satan knows that. So if he could get you thinking wrong, have you ever heard me say this? Pretty soon you'll start believing wrong. Then after that, oh my gosh, you'll start speaking wrong. And then you'll get wrong results. But you don't have to. Satan knows that if he can penetrate your mind with a lie, then he can gain control of your emotions. Then he could affect your self-image. And then... He can use all of that to negatively manipulate all your relationships. So all of a sudden, you start pushing everybody away from you that could help you. Pretty soon, he gets you separated from the church you're supposed to be at. Then you move to another location where you're not even supposed to live. Then he'll bring counterfeit people in your life to speak death over you. That's what he does. So you got to be real careful do you have to be real careful? It's kind of a joke. No, you have to forget about being real careful. 
You have to be real humble. And you got to roll all your cares on the Lord and you got to get over yourself and forget about what you want. Because if you're not in the word, you don't even know what you want. You just know what you think you want. But oh, down in your heart, it's down there. The God's will for your life is down there. Everything is down there. This building was to be the first building that this church bought. When I walked through the doors, if you would have saw this place, it looked a little different. And I walked into this building, and I'm like, man, what are these people doing in our building? You just know it connects. So this is why we, we, you gotta, you have to travel light so that you could be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading so that you keep fear out of your life. I'm not afraid of anything. That glory to glory, we sing that and we get so happy. But you know what glory to glory is? This is what glory to glory is, according to the word of God. You go through life and you face something bigger than you that wants to take you out. And, but but you, you face it full of the word and, and full of the power of the Holy Spirit and you already know you have the victory and then by faith you overcome and glory comes out. And then you walk a little further and then another battle and then glory comes out and then you walk a little further. That's what glory to glory to glory is. And it's for you and it turns you on. Pretty soon, you don't run from battles. You don't even walk towards the battle. You see it and you're like, man, here comes another promotion. Right? Man, my muscles are gonna get bigger. My faith muscles are gonna get bigger. I'm gonna get stronger in my ability to operate in the love of God. I'm gonna understand more the grace of God. I'll be able to be more effective to reach more people on this earth. That's the way we live. Once your mind is penetrated, he'll flood your mind with lies and mind games. You're not good enough. You're worthless. This is over. You're gonna die. All this stuff, and it's all a lie. Satan can't take your life. You have to give it to him. Satan knows that your imagination was designed to aid your faith. As you meditate in the word, God's given you this imagination where you could actually see yourself walking in what he wants you to walk in. Satan will try to get you to take false thoughts that are contrary to God's word so that he can take control of your imagination. He knows you're created. You're created in the image of your father. If you can see it, you can believe it. So this is why he wants to show you steal, kill, and destroy, but God wants to show you life. If you can believe it, then you can receive it. So we got to see correctly. So in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, this is, this is what's... Now we're going to start to transition. How do I cast my cares on the Lord? You use your mouth. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, verse 23, reveals a very strong principle that you will have what you say. If, if you can see it, you'll start speaking about it. And if you believe something in your heart and speak it out of your mouth, you'll have what you say. Satan knows this, so he does not want you speaking the word. He doesn't want you reading the word. He doesn't mind if you read the shack 50 times. He doesn't mind if you read nice little novels or fiction, all this stuff. Don't read the Bible. Read after theologians so-and-so. Do this, do that. No, forget it. you got to get in the word of God. The word is full of life. Mark eleven twenty two. 22, it says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. You could translate it in the Greek, Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Have the faith that God has. And then now in verse 23, he tells you how to operate. He tells you very clearly the operation of the faith of God. He says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, here it is, he shall have whatever he says. 
That principle goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. You could see it there. It goes all the way forward to the book of Revelation. It's all through the book that you will have what you say. Satan knows this. What are we saying? There is a heart-mouth connection. So you always want your speaker connected to your receiver. Does that make sense? Because there's a heart, there's a heart-mouth connection. You don't want your speaker connected to your emotions or to your senses to where I'm always talking about what I'm seeing in this natural realm. I, I have to have it hooked up to my receiver, which is faith, because these are things I can't see. But they're more real, the Bible says, than the things that we can see. Oh, the facts of the universe that we can see are good, but the Bible says the invisible things, the word of God, is greater and changes visible things. So the word of God, Matthew eight seventeen, can change a cancer cell and get it out of your body. So this is important that we learn this. If we get our mouth speaking out of our heart what God has given us, then our faith is able to bring substance to that which we are expecting. It's the way it works. Satan will try to fill your mind with his lies to produce a wrong image until your mouth speaks in agreement with the wrong image or lie and this is what allows Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. It's exactly how it works. I could sense a lot of you guys want me to say that again. It's so good, I want to say it again. So let's just do that. Satan tries to fill your mind with lies to produce a wrong image in you until your mouth starts speaking in agreement with the wrong image and that opens the door for him now to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. It's what he does. He will lie and lie and lie and lie hoping that you take those thoughts and he'll know when you take them because you'll start speaking them. Why do you speak them? Because as you're, as you're focusing on them, all of a sudden your imagination starts going, wow, what if, this, what if my finances get worse? What if, what, what if this sickness gets worse? What if my car breaks down? What if I, I don't have money for this? What if this happens? What are we going to do? What are we going to do if, what, what would my wife or my husband do if I die? All of this stuff, he's trying to create an image so that he could come and steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But no more. 1 Peter 5.8 again says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he can devour. Roaring lion. He walks like a roaring lion. When the enemy lies to your mind, it starts with a suggestion. It's exactly the way it was with Eve. Oh, surely God didn't say. You die? I mean, what is, as, what is that, Eve? Have you ever seen anything die? Nothing dies around here. Right? It starts with a suggestion, but if you allow it to grow that suggestion will grow into a whisper. Pretty soon he's whispering to you. You're never going to be able to change this. You've been bound with this forever, and you're never going to be able to get free. I mean, you know, just real soft, constant, you know you've prayed about this. As a matter of fact, you even know other Christians that have died of this. You're never going to get free of this addiction. You're never going to get free of drugs, of alcohol. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all the same thing. But if you allow that whisper in your life, it will grow into a voice. This is the way the enemy works. He, 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 he's a killer. 
And, and he starts out because he's a deceiver, and he'll start out, throws a little suggestion, but then he starts whispering. But then pretty soon it's a voice. And if you allow that voice that's in your face going, hey, you're a loser, you're going to die, pretty soon if you allow that voice, it will grow into a roar. It'll roar in your mind. It'll roar in your emotions. You are done. I've won. You're never going to mount to anything. That's exactly the way it is. It doesn't start out big. It starts out small. But the more room you give him an inch and he keeps coming. This is why God's given you patience. See, you got to be real careful. You won't know that if you're carrying cares because you won't be sober. You won't be vigilant because you're trying to carry a bunch of stuff you shouldn't be carrying. Which means you didn't humble yourself. So you can't resist the devil. He'll laugh at you. All he's got to see is what you're saying and your countenance. Because if you're saying negative stuff, if you're saying something contrary to that, he knows that's what you're looking at. So you could say, Satan, you got to go. It's written, Matthew 8, 17. But he sees the other 12 hours of the day, you're going, man, what am I going to do? And you're thinking about this. And you're, oh my gosh, he throws a thought. And, and you know, here's that little, that little demon that's assigned against you, throws a thought in your mind and, and sees you go, Ooh. Sees you go sit in a chair and just go, what am I going to do? Then you come to church on, and you, get, you pull in and you're like, man, I need this. And then, then what do you do? You get out of your car and you're like, okay, I'm at church. I got to be fake. So everybody thinks I'm real spiritual. Okay, hey, hey, how's it going, man? Things are great. I'm blessed and high. How many times have you heard that? I am blessed and highly favored. That almost makes me throw up. Because usually... Usually that means I'm in trouble and I just need help, but I am too proud. Now, if you say that, don't. I'm not ever thinking this, okay? Because we are blessed and highly favored. But usually blessed and highly favored is just a person that comes to church and they're, they're just, they got a countenance on their face and they're looking. They're just looking, okay. They're looking here. God, what do you want me to do today? And then they're looking around. Who can I bless? Who can I help? They're looking. That's the blessed and highly favored one. Because they're traveling really light. They're not concerned about their own life. Live your life. Forget about being concerned about your own life. Right? It's way overrated. Live your life like this. The greatest fear is the fear of death which will be the greatest experience for all of us. Because the minute we step out of our body, we're going to be like, wow, Lord. So forget about any fear. When you get focused on who is in you and who is with you, and you know it doesn't matter that I feel alone, I know I'm not alone. It doesn't matter what I see or if it's going in a wrong direction. I know that the prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Seeking whom he may devour. Wow. So here's a big thing, guys. Mental preparation is 90% of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Boy, we, that's the most ridiculous subject so many Christians are like, man, they think they're fighting the devil. Yet the word war and warfare is only used five times in the New Testament, and it's never used in connection with the devil. It's always used in connection with you keeping your thought life right. That's real interesting. But mental preparation is 90% of spiritual warfare. You make certain mental decisions before the storm comes. You realize that as I walk in obedience to God, it, it many times will trigger an attack. And so what? Because he's defeated. It's hilarious the level of spiritual attack that is on us as pastors of this church. Do you know the spiritual attack about Wednesday night is greater than what I face for Sunday morning? It's amazing. This is a special night. God, God wants to do things. He, he, he does things in people's lives. It's, it's phenomenal. 
you realize that you are already victorious in Christ. I already have the victory, and Satan, I am not listening to any of your lies. I'm not the, I'm not the sick trying to get healed. If I have symptoms in my body, that doesn't mean I'm sick. It means you've attacked me illegally with sickness, but this sickness has to leave because I already am the healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. So now as I believe that and speak it, the healing power of God comes out of my spirit, man, and will eradicate the sickness and disease. Same thing with poverty and lack. Same thing with depression, anxiety, fear. You speak to fear, it has to go. Loneliness, well, I'm so lonely. Loneliness is a spirit. Tell it to leave. It has to leave. See, Ephesians 6, in verse 13 and 14, it says, Having done all to stand, stand. We prepare to stand. So I make some mental decisions. Right? I make some mental decisions. Retreat's not an option. Fear is not an option. Ever believing anything contrary to the word of God, no matter what I see or feel, is not an option for me. And when I, when I get full of the word, see, the Holy Spirit always shows me things to come. So he'll have me meditating in scriptures to get me ready for the battle. So that when the enemy comes, it is written, it is written, it is written. How did Jesus know what scriptures to say when he was tempted in the wilderness? The Holy Spirit gave it to him. Right? He was able to because Jesus... Full of the word, full of the spirit, knew exactly what to say. A person who has taken their thoughts captive cannot be devoured. You can't be devoured. So take your thoughts captive with the word of God. How do I do that? Tony, you can never do this. It is written I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you feel so weak. You're never going to be enough. Father, I thank you that it is written you're the God of more than enough. You're the God that opens doors that no man can shut. How do I do it? I never let God's word depart out of my mouth. I'm always talking about it. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So the man who hears the word of God and does it is likened to somebody who built his house upon a rock. It says here, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat upon that house, and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Notice, notice, I hear the word and I do it, but the rains are still going to come, the floods are still going to come, all this, the wind is still going to come, but it will not move me. And then it says in every one, verse 26, that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. You know what a type of sand is? It's the world system. The whole world system. It's the flesh, what you just said. Don't build your house on that. Right? And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice the difference was what they put in themselves before the storm. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about you and I being prepared. How we get prepared is we travel light. We cast our cares on the Lord. See, many times the devil's attacks are because of our actions. He hates it. When you start following God, he'll attack you. He'll try to stop it, and he can't. And it's glorious. It makes you stronger. So never shrink back from that. So a lot of times you hear that and you preach that and all of a sudden people say, okay, well then I just won't do anything and he'll leave me alone. Oh, I'm sorry. He's also, he's seeking, a, see, he's seeking whom he may devour. So he's always looking for the ones that are out doing their own thing, not full of the word, because those he can devour. 
He, he comes after me because he gets mad. He gets mad because he doesn't want you to hear this. But he knows you come after me, you better come hard because I won't ever fight you. And I know you're already defeated. It's exactly the way he does it. So is he going to come? He's going to come. Is there a place on this earth where you can go? Nope. So you might as well get strong. James didn't say if you fall into various trials. It said he said when. But let's rejoice, guys. We have a world to win, and everybody out there is facing junk. And we could tell them, oh, yeah, you're facing junk. We all face junk. The difference is I don't have to face any of it on my own. I don't even have to fight any battles. The battle's his. The victory's mine. This is why you surround yourself with people of like faith so that you can walk with them. Hallelujah. We must build our lives on the foundation of the word of God. Another way to say that is we must build our lives on Jesus Christ. Verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 5, he kind of ends this thought by saying, whom, he, now he's coming as a roaring lion, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I used to think, you know, you look at Strong's and you try to find a Greek meaning, and, and it, it, in, in Strong's it'll literally say it means to drink. So I used to preach that, well, this word devour means to lap up the blood. So, so I'd say, well, see, Jesus pulled all his teeth, so he can't eat you. He could just, he, he needs a straw to drink anything, right? But then I started studying that word one day. And I'm like, oh, shoot. It means that the lion's already eaten all the meat, and now he's just lapping up the blood afterwards. So because he's like a roaring lion who's totally defeated, you resist him steadfast. That means strong and steadfast in the faith. And you have to know something to do that. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished or they're being executed or performed in your brethren that are in the world. No, see, you know, man, he's coming at me, but he's coming at all my brothers and sisters too. It sucks to be him because he's going to be defeated over and over and over and over, right? How do you resist him steadfast? All you have to do is go back to verse 6 and 7. You humble yourself by casting the whole of your care on Jesus. That is how you resist him. I must stand in this place. God's promises are mine now. This is the place I stand. I know that by his stripes I was healed. I know that he is my provider in every way. I know that I am ultimately and infinitely strong in him. I know that I've been given all authority in the name of Jesus. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I must stand in this place. God's promise is mine now. Not going to be, it's mine right now. So important. Let me, I want to close with this. Turn to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Is this helping you tonight? Man, I hope you go out of here that you're so turned on that you won't even know where the light switch is to turn off. That you're just going to go, well, I might as well just lay down. I'm so stirred. Next thing you know, you wake up. You're like, wow, that was a great night's sleep. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And we're going to look, because of time's sake, we're going to look at the last half of this verse because this is what I want you to see. Well, I'm going to read the whole verse, but we'll focus on the last half. It says in Daniel 11.32, But such as do wickedly against the covenant shall, be, shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, in the Hebrew language, there is no pronunciation. So I studied this out because the Lord asked me a question. And, and I'm, I want to study it further, but in the Hebrew language, you could, 
you could just as easily, it actually fits more because of the way the first half is, such as do wickedly, this happens. This is how you read this second part. But the people that do know their God. The people that do are the ones that know their God. Well, what do they do? They walk in love. They walk with the word in their heart and in their mouth. They don't forsake the assembling of themselves together. They're, you know, they, they walk in obedience. Those that are doers of the word is what we're saying. Those are the ones that know their God. This word know means that you know him so intimately that now things are being conceived on the inside of you and they're being birthed out of you. This is only for the doer of the word. Part of doing the word is casting the whole of your care on him. But they that do know their God. They shall be strong. They shall be strong. That means they'll be courageous enough to seize hold of things. You believe that you receive and you'll have. That word receive means to seize hold of. They'll be courageous enough to seize hold of their healing when everything tells in the natural says you got to die. They're courageous enough to seize hold of provision where everything in the world sees you're going under. They'll be strong and they will do exploits. This Hebrew word exploits, as you've heard me say before, means they will do things beyond their own ability. God doesn't call you to do anything according to your ability. He calls you to do everything with him according to his ability. Not to yield natural results, but to yield divine results. God has placed you here. This is your time. If you get quiet, you'll start sensing something great on the inside of you. Don't live in the frustration that I'm never going to walk that out. We're going to walk it out. The only thing is you're going to walk it out in a lot bigger measure than what you think. A lot bigger. Mount Everest bigger. And we're going to do it together. Amen?